right, you guys can find a seat. Hey, I need you to maybe like do something for me. You guys look like you need some encouragement. Look to your left and tell the person that you're glad they're here. Just look to your left. Like, hey, yo, bro, I'm glad you're here. And now look to your right and say, hey, hey, bro, I'm glad you're here. Glad you made it. See, look at you. Look at all the smiles across the room. You guys are incredible. I see little heart signs popping up. Y'all are amazing. Hey, it is good to see you guys. And listen, I know I say that every week, but listen, it is a big deal that you're here because we only have a couple weeks left. Like we have tonight, which is happening right now, newsflash, and then we have next week. And so listen, it is about to be like over for the entire semester. And so listen, you guys continue to push in uh, for next week as our last service. Speaking of it being our last service, we're in this commissioning service and all that good stuff, this series that we're going through. There's a few things going on, and if, if you stay for groups afterwards, you're going to hear about all of them. But just really quickly for next week, it is our last service, so therefore we have to celebrate all that God has done, and we are going to have a build-your-own ice cream uh, sandwich bar for, for all of you. And so be sure to, to bring uh, some friends. Be sure to be here. It's our last one. Let's go out on a really good note. That'll be in the atrium. Also, for the graduating uh, seniors, for the people graduating either last semester, this semester, uh, I would also like to meet with you after service as well over there. So there, there's a couple things going on. We're going to commission some students next week that are going to go out and serve in different areas. Um, and so I'm just excited about it, excited about tonight, man. As we started out last week, uh, you guys know, if you haven't had the chance to watch the message or we're not here last week, we started out in this summer commissioning series. And basically the heart behind this was uh, to say, hey, normally we only do this for one week. We send people out, right? This is the heart of summer commissioning. But this week it fell on three different, three different weeks this semester did. And so I'm just excited how last week, man, we started out with the reality of missions, right? Speaking about the apostles and, and the disciples and really to what extent they went for missions inside of their life. Like, as they chose to follow Jesus, what did that mean for their lives? And so uh, we looked at how they ended up dying for the gospel and uh, just the reality of it. Like, it's not easy to be a follower of Jesus. Tonight, we're going to land at the risk of missions. So the reality of missions was last week, the risk of missions is tonight. And so if you have a Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 10. That's where we're going to be landing tonight with the risk of missions. Again, it's going to be kind of riding on the coattail of last week, right? Talking about the 12 disciples and uh, Matthias who jumped in, they cast lots for him, right? And so he joined in with the disciples. And so really, tonight we're coming up on a scene, and as you turn to Matthew 10, you will see this. It's titled, Jesus Sends Out the Twelve, right? And so we know who the twelve were because of last week. We know what they stood for. We know their background. We know how they ended up dying for the gospel. And so really, we're going to kind of uh, go along that same current tonight. And so tonight, as we look at how Jesus sent the twelve out, I, I, don't, I don't want you just to look at, all right, this is what the Word of God says. This is uh, this is what Jesus says, this is his instructions, but I want you to think of your life specifically like we do every week and to say, all right, how do I realign my life in such a way that it looks like this word that we're reading tonight? How, how do I realign my life in such a way that I take these words to heart tonight? So Matthew 10, verses 5 through 31. Verse 5 says this, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. 
The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. Truly I tell you, it will be, uh, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and a father's child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly, I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters. If the head of the house has been called Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household? So do not be afraid of them, for there's nothing concealed that will be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak it in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Obviously, there's not time enough to, to dive through 5 through 31 tonight. But I'm going to do my best, and, and you guys are going to take pictures and write stuff down. So we're going to dive through this as quickly as possible with the time that we have. There are a few things I believe through this scripture that scripture backs up that we need to see about there's a risk when it comes to missions. It's not just signing up and getting on a plane. It's not just, uh, you know, going a far distance in, in a car or a bus. But, but missions is, is risky. First thing is this. We go by God's leading and his design. This is what you need to understand about missions. You go by God's leading and your design. So, and, and his design. So like next week, whenever we stand up here and we commission however many students that are willing to go out, right? However many sign up and say, listen, I'm going to this place for this amount of time to this amount of people and I need your prayer and I need your support. Those people, for instance, are not simply going because they're like, man, this will be a great idea just to leave uh, all of my friends, all of my family. Like, like, no, I'm going because of God's leading and his design. This is the core of what missions is, right? As we read scripture, 
we see that Jesus sets up missions for the sake of design, for the sake of leading you to people you wouldn't necessarily go to uh, if it were not for him, right? So it is, it is not our job to question the decisions of God. It is our job to follow God's lead. This is the whole idea of missions, even in your everyday lives. It's not your job to question the decisions of God. Many times, many times we are so bad about this, right? We're so bad about, in our culture, saying it's okay to question God. It is okay to not exactly do what God says. It is okay to only halfway do what God says. No, there's a reason why God has put things in place for a reason. There's, there's a reason as to why me and you are not God. Sometimes we will not understand why he leads us to some places, right? Sometimes we will not understand as finite human beings why the holy, infinite God sends us to places that we may not understand, sends us to those people who we may not understand, people that we, do, we would not choose on our own. So this leading and this design comes with surrender on our part, right? And so we're not just talking about as we lead up to next week and, and we send these students off, like no matter where they're going all over the country and even the world, we're not just talking about them, but scripture is saying in your everyday life, do you understand there's a design to your schedule? It's not just that you go to school and yes, absolutely, you get your degree. It's not just that you go to work. Absolutely, you earn that money. But God has designed your schedule in such a way you are around somebody that needs him. Everywhere we go, we are around people that say, all right, I know I'm not a follower of Jesus. They may not even want to be a follower of Jesus, but you look at their lives and you're like, man, they are missing out on following him. I love how scripture puts this. I believe it's in verse 5. It says, in some translations, say, it says following instructions, like Jesus gave out following instructions. Some say he commanded them with these words. This one study Bible summed it up like this. The word which is used in the Greek for Jesus commanding his men, like in verse 5, or giving them orders, is interesting and illuminating. It is the word perigelion. This word in Greek has four special usages. So as Jesus says these two words, as, he, as Scripture says these two words, as Jesus commands them or as Jesus gives them the instructions, this means four different things. Number one, it is the regular word of a military command, right? So think about this. You know people probably who were in the military. If you say no in the military, that's not going to be a good thing, right? So view Jesus, view these instructions as, all right, if he has given me a command, it is so much so that we need to view this as a military command. What our God has said, we don't need to question it. Why? Because we can trust him. Number two, it is the word used of calling one's friends to one's help. So in other words, as Jesus is saying, all right, you go, I command you. Go to the world. Do all these things. I'm going to give you these instructions. It is also calling on one's help. So seeing that someone needs your help inside of their life, looking around your life and saying, all right, those people are in need. That person in my class, they're in need. That person in my, in my job, they're in need. So it's this whole idea of understanding someone needs help around you. Number three, it is the word which is used of a teacher giving rules and precepts to his students. Again, a very prime way of understanding and remembering that you are following Jesus is by understanding you are a student of Jesus. 
We're not the teachers here, right? <laughs> we're, not, we're not teaching Jesus how it's done. He's telling us how it's done. And so many times in Christianity, we're like, I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus on my rules and my terms. And Scripture comes along and says, no, when I instruct you to do something, you are the student and, and I am the teacher. Number four, it is the word which is regularly used for an imperial command. So in other words, if we were to sum these four things up in these two words, as he commanded them to do all these things, in other words, Scripture is saying, don't say no to your God. Don't say no to your commander. Do not say no. Understand the weight of what he is telling you to do, right? As he gives us all this command, by the way, this is universal. This isn't just for the disciples. This isn't just for the 12 as he sends them out. This is for all of us, even tonight. Even the ones next week that we're not sending out, he is saying, I command you to do something. As a follower, as you follow me, as you pursue me, I'm commanding you. Like, this isn't a suggestion. And most of the time, we, we think about missions and we think about outreach and evangelism as some, something like a, a growing Christian does. And absolutely, that is true. But you also have to understand evangelism and outreach and missions, that is something a basic Christian does. This is not just for someone who's been saved for 20 years, right? This is not for someone who has been good enough and has went to church all their life. This is for you've said that you will follow Jesus, you repent of your sins. All right, here's your instructions. I I don't care what your life has looked like. Jesus says, here's your instructions. As you give up your life, you take on the life of Jesus. So walking with Jesus will naturally take you to those you wouldn't necessarily choose to go to, right? Now, we do have these people... Absolutely inside of our lives. You all have those, maybe they're roommates, maybe they're coworkers, maybe they're people in your friend group who you're like, man, they're, they're not that hard to talk to. Like they're, I share the gospel with them, and that's great. But, but you got to think of, of missions in a broader sense of what Jesus is talking. He's not just talking about your roommate who is easy to talk to about the gospel. He is talking about all the people that maybe you don't necessarily hang out with every day and all the people you wouldn't necessarily choose to go to every day. Because even those people who may make you feel uncomfortable, even those people you're like, man, I, I just I don't have time for them. Jesus is saying, you go after them. Like, absolutely, go after the ones that I've put in your life. But what if, what if we just maybe really tweaked our life a little bit and maybe left for class a little bit early just so we could, man, just prayerfully go and like, God, as, I, as I'm walking to class, like, put me in the path of someone. Or maybe as you, as you go from class to class and you got a few minutes, like, as you go, like, God, how can I strategically be in the path of, of someone else? Verses 5 and 6. Do not go among the Gentiles or any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. I love this, right? So speaking of missions, speaking of Jesus giving instruction, commanding his 12 disciples, have you ever noticed how Jesus said there's places that you should not go? Normally you're like, oh, we're going to go everywhere. No, not according to Jesus. Verses 5 and 6. He says, do not go among the Gentiles or any town of the Samaritans. And then he follows it up. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. So he is saying, all the, all the easy ones that all of you are on fire to go to, they're already taken. 
All of your friends who are Christians, they're already taken. Like, don't, don't go to them. Don't go to the ones, the Gentiles, or, or the ones uh, in the town of uh, Samaria. Like, don't, don't go to the ones who already believe in me and who already know of me, or even the ones who have refused it, and, and they, they literally continue to refuse it. Like, shake the dust off and go somewhere else. Jesus is saying, they're, they're, we don't have tons of time. <laughs> He is saying, leave the, leave the ones at the churches that are already in the churches. Don't, don't try to steal them and bring them here. Like, leave, leave them there and go after the other ones. All the easy ones are already taken. Our job is not to go after all the easy ones. Our job is to say, where in the world would I find Jesus? Inside of my life, where would I find Jesus? And it's as simple as a WWJD bracelet, right? Where, where would I find it? Where would he be at? Instead of us saying, all right, what is easy for me, what is convenient for me, what is less awkward for me, where would I find Jesus? He says, don't go to the people who are easy. Don't go to the people who already believe in me. Don't go to the people who continue to shake me off. Go to the sheep of Israel. Go to the lost sheep of your classroom. Go to the lost sheep of the people that you bump shoulders with in the hallway. Go to the lost sheep of the ones who no one else is going after because there's thousands of them. Go to those. They're the ones that need to hear me and respond to my gospel. So we often, this is interesting how we do this, we often view God's leading as safe and comfortable. But what if it was the exact opposite of that? Have you, have you ever thought about that? We often, in this culture, we often view God's leading Absolutely. God wants me to be safe and comfortable. He wants me to never be in an awkward situation. This is who we have made God in our culture. This is who we have made him in our minds. And according to scripture, we cannot be any further from the truth. Often, if, if you're setting, if, for example, if I were to come to you and say, hey, are you interested in going to Montana, Puerto Rico, London, whatever? Absolutely. I, I'm going to pray about it. If you just so happen to have a great morning with your coffee that morning after I ask you and you're having a great time and your quiet time and you just feel all these great feelings about going to these trips and you're like, all right, absolutely, I'm going. Why, well, why are you going with me? Well, just because I feel like it's the right thing to do. Have we ever really given much prayer and thought into maybe it's not just about what we feel safe and comfortable with? Maybe what we see about Jesus in Scripture is that, man, he didn't narrow his missions down by, by what led him to safety. Jesus never narrowed his mission field down to what led him to comfort. And so often we view missions in that same way, but what, what if, like what if we just ask in our minds, what if it is the exact opposite? What if by chance I don't feel the most secure while witnessing to people? Is Jesus still in that? What if by chance I don't feel the most power and the most boldness? Is Je Absolutely Jesus is still in that. Maybe we need to realign our lives and say, Jesus would not always be in the safe and comfortable because if he was, no one would ever be saved. No one would ever hear the gospel. So your goal is to say, where would Jesus be in my life? Where, where can I join him in his mission? Verses 9 and 10 say it like this. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you in your belts. No bag for your journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff. You're like, Jesus, bro, I can't even take an extra shirt with me. Bro, I'm going for a whole week, and I can't, I, I can't take a shirt with me? I, I can't take any sandals? Like, my feet are terrible as it is, and you're telling me not to take any shoes? Like, this is not a good mission strategy, Jesus. 
Jesus' point was, he was saying, don't take any of these things where you don't have to rely on me. Jesus is saying, for once, would you please just put your life in check with my providence inside of your life? Would you please put your life in check and say, all right, I know that I may not have every single thing in check, every single thing in order, everything safety, comfortable, but I know God is going to provide for me. If we just put ourselves in that position, maybe we would see God actually providing. He goes even further in verses 16 to 17. He says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogue. So as if taking no shoes, no extra shirt, no staff to like, to, to like hey, like, Wild animals, I don't want you, right? All these different things. If I'm ever in danger, I don't have anything to fend for me. Jesus is saying, in other words, I'm going to be straight up with you. You're going out as sheep among wolves. You're not going out as sheep among sheep. You're going out as sheep among wolves, so prepare for it. And so I don't know if you know much about sheep, right? I'm sure you've heard sermons all about it, but it's interesting how sheep they don't really, they can't do much for themselves, right? Really, the only thing they can do for themselves is run, and they're slow. Anybody slow? Anybody not run? I don't run, right? Fun fact, fun story. I think it was just this past week, I was in the atrium, right, and I started running, and Jamie comes up, she's like, why, why are you running? Is something wrong? I'm like, no, nothing's wrong. Like, I'm just going to talk to us. Anyway, that, that shows you the fact I don't ever run. So I, I agree with you. I'm there with you, right? She's like, man, if you're running, I need to be worried, right? And so anyway, so it's one of those things to where sheep among wolves, sheep among, do we understand the assignment, or do we, are, or all we hear is we sit in a VBS when we're little, or we sit in a little youth camp growing up, and we're like, follow Jesus, and he will make your life better. Do we really understand what it takes to follow him? Leads us to point number two. The danger of your life will increase in proportion to the depth of your relationship with Jesus. The danger of your life will increase in proportion. So the more you grow in your relationship with Jesus, just think about this for a minute. The more spiritual roots that you have inside of your life, the more you're naturally going to increase in proportion to danger and this whole people turning you away and this whole awkwardness. Because why? Because you are following Jesus. As you grow in your relationship with Jesus, and we could go all around the room and you'd be like, absolutely, I want to grow in my relationship with Jesus. I, I, would, I would love to grow. I would love to, to love Jesus more. Absolutely, that is the desire of my heart. Do you not understand? Like I sing sometimes and I read my Bible some mornings and I come to church a lot. Do you know? I mean, duh. I want to love Jesus with all that I have. Have you ever understood the more you grow with Jesus, the more you're going to experience things that Jesus experienced. Verses 21 through 25, it takes us through this. He says, brother will betray brother to death and a father's child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. So he basically goes and he describes to us all the different chaos that comes along with following Jesus. He is saying, if you choose to follow me, verses 21 through 25, he keeps going. Verse 24, the student is not above the teacher nor serving his master. So he goes on and he lays out for the disciples the right formula to following him. And it just so happens to be something they don't want to hear, <laughs> right? It just so happens to be not really along the lines of, yeah, if you follow me, man, it's going to be great prosperity. It's going to be incredible. 
and all you got to do is post about me. All you got to do is come to church, man. I, I promise you it's going to be good. The disciples are like, Jesus, this is, this is kind of harsh, right? This is a bit much. And I'm pretty sure if me and you were there in this situation, we would be confused. We're like, Jesus, my gosh, you're telling me the more I grow in my relationship with you, the harder my life is going to be, especially when it comes to evangelism and missions. And Jesus is like, you, you finally get it. You finally understand it's not going to be easy. So if you want to be like Jesus in a world that hated him, you must expect things you don't deserve simply because you bear his name. This is why we experience things in this life, not because you're a good person. It's not because you come to church and, and people are mean to you. This is not Christianity. No, when, in Scripture, we see this whole idea of, I'm going to lay my life on the line to follow this Jesus, and laying my life on the line means I'm not going to have it easy every single day in my life. It's not going to be incredible. It's not going to be great every day. But I'm going to grow. I'm going to experience this relationship. But I'm going to learn as I grow, there's going to be repercussions inside of that, inside of mission trips, inside of my everyday life. As I bear his name, I'm going to naturally experience things that he experienced. Verse 22, you will be hated by everyone. Why? Because of me is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, not because you're a good person or, or do good things or come to church, you will be hated by everyone because of me, but because you bear my name. This one quote says it like this, it must be painfully admitted that there are times when Christians, because of great unfaithfulness or false profession of faith, have been hated for good reason. Yet no one who is filled with the presence of Jesus and lives like he did can be hated for good reason. Can't you see this? It's obvious. We can see somebody who's unfaithful or, or, or false inside of the ministry. That's obvious, right? Absolutely. They're going to receive hate. Absolutely. But if you're living like Jesus, you, you, you don't really expect to experience these things. But Jesus is saying not only are you going to experience it, you're also going to be experiencing it for no good reason. As you follow me, the only thing that people have against you is that you bear my name. That is the only thing that people have against you, that you bear my name. And so as, as we send these people out next week, as you guys think about this and as you leave even tonight, think about that whole idea of as I follow Jesus, as I bear his name, I'm going to experience repercussions naturally because that's what he experienced. So if you want to pursue Jesus with everything you have, which I'm sure many of you would say you do, you should expect to hear what Jesus heard and feel what Jesus felt. This is the basics of following Jesus. This is not a, a graduate following Jesus. Like, yeah, I've been following Jesus for 10 years, so now I'm going to expect what, what, what he heard and, and to feel what, what he felt. No, this is a day one, I choose to follow Jesus. This is what I'm getting into. If I want to pursue Jesus, I'm going to feel and I'm going to hear everything he did. I'm going to expect that. Why? Verse 24, the student is not above the teacher nor a servant above his master. This one theologian said it like this, simply put, the disciples should not expect to be treated any better than Jesus was treated. If they call Jesus himself Satan, which is Beelzebub, how much more should the disciples of Jesus expect? Do you see this? This is what scripture is doing. We see this, that they are calling Jesus Satan himself. 
After all the things that he has done, after all the things, all the miracles, after everything they have seen from him, they still call him Satan. So in other words, we as his disciples, me and you, should not expect anything less than that, right? We should expect to hear and feel what he did. The student is not above the teacher nor a servant above his master. So Jesus, you're the teacher, right? Jesus, you're the one teaching us. You're the one telling us how to do this whole thing. I can't do it on my own. I need your instruction. I am the student. And so therefore, God, I'm going to experience what you experienced as the teacher just in the same way, God, you are our master. God, you are the one who came and who died and who rose, which we just celebrated. You are the master of my life, so therefore, I'm not going to expect anything different as your servant. To live life as a servant and as a student. Gosh, think about all the things that God could do throughout your life. But you got to understand you're going to experience things because of that. So there's, there's a lot at stake, whether you're following Jesus to a camp this summer or to another country to spread his name, which many of you are. But it will be worth it. Just as Jesus has told us that there will be much sacrifice, he has also told us that it will be worth it. So get this, no matter who you are, no matter where you're going, you are going with the Son of God. Why? Because you're going in his power. You're going because of his glory. You're going because he had a heart for those people long before you were ever created. And he is saying the whole point in missions is to join the creator inside of his heart for these people. We, we don't just make up trips on our own and say, all right, we're going to start something new among these people or among this summer camp or among these kids or among that next city that I'm going to. No, we're saying, God, we simply want to join you as your student. God, number one, thank you for forgiving me and making me your child. But number two, God, I'm going to join you in this mission and say, because you are going in this trajectory, I want to align my life to go in this trajectory. This is what missions is. This is what living daily on missions is all about. God, realign my life. By your spirit, realign my life. How do I get my life in pursuit of the things that you're in pursuit of? Leads us to our last point. Even in the midst of fear, trust in Jesus. Speaking of how Jesus told us that it would be worth it, even though all these things, it's interesting. Verses 26 through 31 they kind of end out our, our talk tonight. But it's interesting, we talk about in the midst of fear, we should trust in Jesus. So verses 5 through 25, this is what we see. We see Jesus giving this instruction. We see Jesus giving this command. We see Jesus going on and on and on about, all right, you do this, you do not do this. If they do this, then you do this. If they don't do this, then you don't do this. If they say this, you say this. Jesus was very specific. There were a lot of things heard in that moment by the disciples. Just like us, we'd have been like, man, why so serious? Like, why Jesus? Why do we have to experience a life like this? Verses 5 through 25. And then in verse 26, we see Jesus immediately, just after he said, they have called me Satan, how much more of the members of it, how much more will they want to call you and do things to you? Then verse 26, so do not be afraid of them, Jesus says. So immediately after, he ends with, all right, they're gonna, they, they've called me Satan, they've done this to me, they're going to do it to you too. Then he's like, but hold up just a minute, don't be afraid. Can, can you just imagine this? All right, Jesus, we're working on it right now. We're working on not being afraid right now. 
You didn't just tell us that we're going to be like sheep among wolves. You didn't just tell us, God, that you're going to send us out with no sandals and no extra shirt or a staff. God, you, you didn't just tell us, God, I promise you we're going to work on that right now for you. We're going to work on not being afraid. But this is who God is. God is saying, if you want to follow me in this, there's going to be a lot at stake. There's going to be a lot of fear. There's going to be a lot of persecution. There's going to be a lot of things in your mind that try to get you not to do things that you need to do. But it's interesting that in the first, in, in these five verses that we're talking about here, 26 to 31, Jesus is telling us not to be afraid three different times in these specific verses. So after he gives all these instructions, he says, but I need you to understand something. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't, don't be afraid. I, I don't know if you ever realized this, but whenever a teacher writes on the board one time, you're like, oh, great, just something else. But when a teacher writes on the board three different times, you're like, I probably need to write that down. That's probably going to help me in my finals. If the teacher writes it, they're telling me it's going to be on there without telling me it's going to be on there. So therefore, I probably need to take note of what the teacher's saying. This is what Jesus, Jesus is saying. You need to understand don't be afraid, right? I, I know I've told you all this. You understand it now, but don't be afraid. This one Bible summed it up like this. If persecution or the threat of persecution makes us draw back from speaking and preaching God's word, then in some measure, Satan has won a victory. His threat of persecution may not have succeeded in harming us, but in holding back the work of the word of God. Just feel the weight that this is talking about. If, if, your, if your fear is holding you back from speaking or from going, if your fear is holding you back from whatever situation is, a person, a place, whatever, most likely everyday life is probably a person. That you're like, I know I need to talk to that person. I know that they need to hear about Jesus. If, if your fear and your anxiety and all these things are holding you back, do you understand what is happening? To some measure, Satan has won a victory. Have you ever thought about your disobedience like that? That there's a spiritual war happening. There's a war between good and evil. There's a war between holy and unholy. And all of us, we claim to be followers of the holy we go along and we're like, God, I'm just too scared. I, I'm, I'm just too timid. I'm just too fearful to do this. What that means is that Satan, he, he has won a victory. The whole, the whole point in missions, I love how John Piper said it. He said, missions exist because worship does not. And so our goal is to see that person, see those people, see that city, see that country, see that state, wherever you're going, whatever's on your mind, whatever class, whatever, see that as an opportunity to say, that is where worship belongs. I'm going to this person because they don't have worship. I'm going to this person because God is not receiving his worship from this person. This is the whole reason that we are sending people, the whole reason that we underwrite people, the whole reason that we support people is to say, we're going because worship doesn't exist. Worship is not in their heart. Worship is not in this city. Worship is not in this camp. We're going because many kids this summer that you're going to be ministering to, their parents have not ever taken them to experience true worship. They don't know how to worship God. They don't know to give their lives to Jesus to save them from an eternity in hell. 
You see this. It's not just about ending up with God forever, but it is about walking with God right now. So if we are faithful in going, but not in spreading the news, we haven't been faithful in the first place. This is a big deal because if you only halfway obey God, that is total disobedience to God. We need to get that under control according to Scripture. If you only 50% obey God, God is saying, let me just tell you how I feel about lukewarm people. I want to chew them up and spit them out of my mouth. If, if you're lukewarm, you're no different than lost people. If you're lukewarm, you're no different than the world. What benefit are you? So if we are faithful in going, this is a big deal because many of us, we are faithful in going. We will spend our money, we will raise the money, we will go, we will even approach the people, we'll do all the things but if you don't spread the news, you haven't been faithful. You haven't been 100% faithful. We are created a lot last week to open our mouths and spread the news. Don't just go. Don't, don't just participate. Go and say, this is what you're missing. This is what Jesus has done for you. So the message is very, very clear tonight. Don't miss this. Go and do not be afraid. Verses 5 through 25, go. We can sum those up, go. Jesus is saying, you go. These are the instructions, but you need to go. Verses 26 through 31, do not be afraid. Go and do not be afraid. So you're like, well, well why in the world would I not be afraid? Number one, think about this. It's going to be on your screen. Jesus loves you. You're like, I, I need more than that. Jesus is sending you, right? This is who Jesus is. He's ascending God. But as he sends you, he provides for you. Right? So he's saying, I'm going to provide for you. Don't, don't, don't take those extra things. He's telling his disciples, don't take those extra things, those sandals or that staff. I'm going to provide for you. Jesus cares about you. That's why he provides for you. You have a God who says, don't just go, but as you go, I am going to provide. I care about you. I promise you, I'm going to help you along the way. And the most things that we can see is that Jesus will be faithful throughout all of it. This is what we see 5 through 31 tonight. Even though we don't have time to dig into all of it, understand Jesus will be faithful. We don't go on our own terms. We don't go because we are good people. We don't go because that's how we were raised, our Southern Baptist roots. That's not why we go. We go because Jesus is faithful and people need worship of the one true God. This is why we go. So as you close your Bibles, put up your pens, all that good stuff, we're going to go into a time of invitation. And as we do, whether you are going this summer, whether we're sending you out next week, or whether, whether you're not, whether you're going to your family, whether you're going back home, whether you're staying here and working, whatever your life looks like, let these things sink in tonight, please. As we come up to the last service of the semester, as we have covered so many things, as we have just every week plowed through Scripture, don't, don't miss what God is doing. You may see it as a slow time. You may see it as a different time. You may not even like where you're going this summer. Some of you are like, man, I, I love that I'm going here this summer. Some of you are like, man, I hate that I'm going here this summer. But please see it. Please see it. Every day, even this summer, God has strategically led me to this moment. God has strategically led me to be this person among my family. This person among these students, this person among this country that, man, I have no idea about. Like, missions is not just going and saying, all right, I can't read the language, so I feel like I'm on a mission trip. I can't read language at the airport, and I don't really know what's happening. No, God is saying, don't, don't wait for that moment. You go out, and whatever happens, 
understand like God, God has designed it and God has laid you to that. So let's pray together. Father, we, we want to lift this night up to you, Father, and we want to thank you. God, before we even bring you our invitation, before we bring you even our yes on the table, God, we just want to thank you for who you are. God, as we read your word and as your word humbles us, as your word puts us in our place, God, we thank you for being so faithful to us, for being honest about where we stand with you, honest about where we stand with the world, but at the same time, God, you tell us to go, you tell us to speak to people, you tell us to love people, but in the same breath, God, you say, don't be afraid. God will, what if my words aren't good enough? God says, I'm gonna provide for you. It's not your word, it's the spirit that's speaking through you anyway. How come, what if I don't have enough money, God? I, well, I'm gonna provide for you. You don't have enough, I'm gonna provide. God, I'm not really sure about this because I'm not comfortable. It's not about comfortable. God, it's about us following you. So Father, in, in the hearts of all the students tonight, God, I pray individually, whatever their lives look like, wherever they find themselves daily, whatever they are struggling with, God, I believe that you're convicting people right now by your spirit the spirit we're reading about, God. Lord, I pray you bring people to repentance. God, as we've heard your word, God, as we have a time to respond to your word. Father, help us, help us give you all we got tonight. God, we're flawed people, we're sinful people. But God, we, we can offer our voices, we can offer our repentance. So God, please, God, be honored, be glorified through how we respond to this word. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.